If you have your Bible this morning, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. And the verses will be on the screens. But I always love whenever it comes to Paul's letters to actually look at the verses. And this morning, as we walk through Philippians 3, verses 4 through 14, we're going to go by a couple of verses at a time. Because Paul doesn't waste space. Paul loves to give you a whole lot. Um, And so I always find it helpful when going through Paul's letters to take our time and to not try and look at a group of 10 verses and then go back. So we're going to just go through it a couple of verses at a time. And we're actually going to start in verse 4 in chapter 3 with the second full sentence where it says, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Where we find ourselves in today's passage is that Paul is responding to a debate that is going on in the church in that time. And what was happening is that some Jewish Christians who Paul calls false teachers at the beginning of this chapter, is that some of the Jewish Christians were telling Gentile converts, so people who weren't Jewish but were coming to believe in Jesus, some Jewish Christians were telling these Gentile converts, well, before you can follow Jesus, you have to be a good Jew. Before you can follow him, they were telling the men, you're going to be circumcised. And, and so Paul is responding to this debate by opening with verses that lay out who he is. That if you're going to make a list of, of what makes a good Jew, Paul checks all the boxes. He's laying out his credentials to speak into the argument, the debates that are going on in the church in that time. And what we don't see necessarily laid out here, but whenever Paul addresses this debate, is that Paul is trying to explain to the Jewish Christians, to the Gentile converts, that, yes, circumcision was a part of the old Jewish covenant. But now in the person of Jesus Christ was a new covenant, a new promise with God that doesn't rely on the old stuff, that in the person of Jesus, that doesn't rely on anything but believing in him and knowing him. And so this is what Paul is speaking to there in these verses. But then picking up in verses 7 and the beginning of verse 8, Paul continues, Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
Paul is saying, yeah, I check all the boxes. I can stand confident in who I am and my pedigree. But none of that matters. That's what Paul's saying. None of that matters. He considers all these good things a loss compared to knowing Jesus. Things have changed. And so picking up in verse 8 through 9, Paul continues, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. And I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. Paul's Paul's right there saying, all these good things, all these achievements I've ever made, he calls them rubbish. They're garbage compared to what he has now in knowing Christ Jesus. And Paul is writing this letter from prison. Paul, at this moment, as he is writing these words, saying, everything I have ever accomplished is garbage compared to what I have now in knowing Christ. He's writing this from prison. He doesn't care about his social status. He doesn't care that currently he doesn't have freedom. He's saying right now and who I know as Lord, this is what matters. And he writes about the fact that it is in Jesus that he now has righteousness from God because of his faith in Christ Jesus. He's saying, especially to the the Jewish Christians who are trying to make the Gentile converts good Jews before believers, he's saying following laws are not a permanent solution to righteousness. No laws can make us right before God. No laws can take away our mistakes, our sins. It is only in the person of Jesus Christ, his suffering and death and resurrection that we find righteousness. It is only in the person of Jesus Christ, in the knowledge that he is the son of God, that he chose us, that he chose to die on our behalf. It is only in the person of Jesus Christ that we may stand righteous before God, that we may know that when we know that Jesus is Lord, that we, wouldn't, that we can stand firm and tall before God because Jesus has taken every sin and wiped them away from us. Paul's trying to remind them nothing else matters because when we have Jesus, we have everything. No accomplishments, no laws can can begin to compare to what we have now, to who we get to know now. He's saying, this is who I want to know. I want to know Jesus. I want to be found in him. Everything else is garbage. 
I can be in prison. I can have nothing. This is what matters. Knowing him and what he has done for us, who he has made us now. And then looking at verses 10 and 11, we see Paul write, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We can, we can look at these verses and they seem like really sweet words. I mean, of course, Paul writes, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. All of us here want to know the power of his resurrection because the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. The promise of his resurrection, of our eternal life found now in him. We want to know that power. We get that. But then we see him write in the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. Those are weighty words. And for us to truly understand that Paul understood what he was writing, I'm going to back up to Philippians 2. And these verses won't be on the screen. But in Philippians 2, verses 5 or 6 through 11, we see Paul lay out who he knows Jesus to be, what it means for him to say, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and share in the sharing of his sufferings. Because in Philippians 2, 6 through 11, Paul writes of Christ that Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him And gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul knew what he was saying when he said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharings of his sufferings and death. Because Paul acknowledges here in Philippians 2, before we get to today's passage, that to know Jesus, that the person of Jesus, though he was God, humbled himself and took the position of a slave, of a servant on our behalf and gave of himself to the point of death. 
He knew what he was saying when he wrote, I want to know Christ. And I want to be found in him. Even though it means self-giving and humility, sacrifice and suffering. Because to follow Jesus at some point will cost us. Paul acknowledges that. Paul's good with that. But at the same time, as I kept reading over, especially these two verses this week, I kept asking myself if I can say the same thing as Paul here. That I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. I mean, can we say the same thing as Paul writes here? Knowing the weight of the words. Can we say the same thing? Let's finish out today's passage in verses 12 through 14, where Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. So when we enter today's passage, Paul is laying out his credentials. But here at the ending of this passage, we see Paul humbling himself and saying, this is what I'm saying is my goal is to know Christ and be found in Christ. But I haven't yet attained it. But that doesn't matter to Paul. Paul is saying he's leaving everything behind him and straining towards this goal. That this is his new goal in life is to know Christ and, be, and to be found in him. When Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he changed his entire life. Because before Paul met Christ, the name of Paul would strike fear into the hearts of the church and Christians. Because Paul was the top persecutor of the church. He was the reason that some believers died. That was his goal in life, was to wipe out the church. Until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he realized with his own eyes that Jesus wasn't just a good man, that he wasn't a myth, that he wasn't alive, but that he was Lord. And so he willingly changed the course of his entire life. He willingly faced multiple imprisonments. He willingly ultimately faced death. Because he so believed that everything was garbage compared to knowing Christ and being found in Christ. 
our world is really different from the world that Paul lived in. Because in our world, where we live, it's acceptable to know Jesus and to call ourselves Christians. It's acceptable to talk about our faith. But the thing is, the question I kept coming back to with this passage is, are we willing to today say that everything else is garbage compared to knowing Christ and being found in him? What is the end all be all for us? What is our ultimate goal in life? What does our life currently say is our ultimate goal? What do our actions, how, how we spend our time, what does that say is the ultimate goal of our lives, our end all be all, our, our focus? Is it Christ and the desire to know him and to be found in him? Or is it something else? What do our lives say? What do our lives reveal? And what are the steps we can take each day, the daily practices that will help us focus on him, that will help empower us to not just say the words with Paul, I want to know Christ and be found in him and everything else is rubbish, but to truly believe it and to live into it and to make it our goal. What is our end all be all? And what are the steps we can take to make Christ that goal? May we hold that question this morning as we begin to come to a close in worship as the offering baskets will be passed and the worship team comes to lead us in a final song but may we take that question with us and come back to it throughout our lives to ask ourselves what do our lives say is our goal and how can we seek to live practices that make Christ our end all be all let us pray. Lord, you made us your own. Through your suffering, through your death, through your resurrection, you have made us right with God. You have made us new creations when we come to know you as Lord, as Savior, when we come to know your truth. But Lord, it is so easy to become distracted and unfocused. Lord, we just ask this day that you, that you help us to refocus on you so that you may be our ultimate goal, the one we're striving towards. Because Lord, to know the truth of what it means to call you Lord changes everything. 
May we never lose that feeling that comes with knowing you as Lord. May we never take lightly the weight of what you have done for us.